Relating to Self. A podcast that helps you create a better relationship with yourself. Hey, I'm Joachim. Welcome. Do you realize that there is only one relationship that you will always be in? The relationship with yourself. Improving that relationship changes everything. On this podcast, I share my thoughts and I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In this episode, I have a conversation with Helena, for whom well-being is an innate state. Enjoy. Helena, welcome to the Relating to Self podcast. Thank you. So, your name is Helena Roth. I know you from Twitter, if knowing is is a thing. I've attended one of your inter-intellect salons, which was lovely, and I became quite interested in what you're doing. So, hence, I asked you to be on the podcast. You have founded something called Tankesbjörn. I hope I pronounced that right. It's a Swedish word, and it means something like going to the mind gym, which I love as I'm very much a fan of going to the gym. And I'm also into developing my mind, so I guess that makes sense. You wrote a book called Doing Gentle with an Edge, and you have a variety and multitude of podcasts and blog posts, and you host a salon on Patreon as well. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> my first question traditionally is always the same. When you hear the words relating to self, what does that mean to you? Well, for me, relating to self is something that I do quite a lot of nowadays. And I would say 15 plus years ago and, and sort of back in time, I did not. Um, there's a big component of reflection for me in, in relating to self without reflection. I don't know how I would consciously and, and be aware of how I relate to self. Uh, so reflection is a big part of it. And I do reflect a lot. That's part of what I enjoy doing. I... I wrote a, a blog post years ago um, about returning to self, kind of being reacquainted with self, which I think is is something that I still feel that I'm I'm doing. I'm kind of on a I don't know, continue is um, adventure journey of, of, or discovery journey of, of finding out stuff about myself. Um, and I would also connect it quite significantly to doing gentle with an edge because part of the shift for me 
in in how I relate to self is when I realized that I could be and do gentle towards myself. I didn't know that 20 years ago. So maybe that's why it feels as if I am relating to self in a way that that is in service of of me and by being in service of me it's in service of those around me yeah hmm beautiful thank you i'm i'm curious especially about this idea of returning to self because that seems to imply that there was at some point also a departing from self, right? Or a loss of self, perhaps. So perhaps you could frame that for yourself, what that loss or departure was like, that you then later could come back to yourself. I, I look at it as um, not as a loss of self in the sense that I lost self that self was removed from me but rather that self and perhaps it's self with a with a capital s self the big self was was you know hidden underneath layers of norms and expectations and this is what you're supposed to do and these are the shoulds and should nots and musts and must nots and this is how a mother is and how a sister is and how a daughter is and how a colleague is and a neighbor and so a sense of losing touch more so that returning to self is more that type of excavation of, of kind of taking one of these layers and looking at it and seeing it for what it is. And therefore also seeing there are times when that layer might serve me, but I don't want to have it habitually on, right? I want to actively choose. Okay, today I'll take on a bit of this. This is how you're a good neighbor layer, but, but, that it's an active choice and and in this process of, of excavation through all of these layers that sense of returning to self of 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 the the bubbles of what is me all of a sudden actually coming up out of through these layers so that i could sense something that was a me that I'd, you know, forgotten or not seen for 40 years or whatever. So returning to me in that sense, returning to self by, by all of a sudden it's available again. Yeah, I really like that, especially the expression the bubbles of what is me. And I'm, I'm curious how you think about this idea that I've been toying with for a while, but haven't really made formal yet in a way. And that is that the mind or perhaps the subconscious kind of heals itself, or there is a natural healing process that happens when I get out of the way. If I get out of my own way, 
with my mind constantly creating new tensions and going in stories and all these things. Once I stop doing that, these these bubbles seem to arise quite naturally almost. And I'm, I'm curious if that's something that resonates with you. Very much so. I've even written about that because everybody has this understanding of our physical immune system you know you cut your finger and you don't have to think it whole again you know the system works itself out there's little enzymes and blood clots and and whatnot that's busy at work if i leave it be yeah i can rinse it off i can you know tend to it a little bit but i if I sit there and I'm constantly pressing on the little wound, the immune system can't do its work. And, and we have a, a psychological immune system as well, which works in precisely the same way. It's constantly working in the same way our physical immune system is to, to bring us to well-being, which is an innate state, mental and physical well-being, given our personal um, kind of building blocks, I guess. Um, and the same thing applies. If I'm there pressing on the wound because I think that I can make it heal faster, whether that be I'm anxious or I have insomnia or I'm stressed or whatever, same thing happens. The system isn't allowed to do its job. I'm, I'm actively stopping it from, from, from bringing back to to well-being so that resonates completely with me beautiful i've i've used exactly the same kind of metaphor of the the cut in the finger and i'm curious how you think then about the the one thing that i'm not clear about yet that kind of bugs me and that is the idea of basically trauma the idea that there are certain psychological wounds that have created so much constriction in parts of the body in some way that perhaps they are beyond the natural capacity of the subconscious, the mind to heal itself. And then they need some kind of attention before they can release and heal. And I'm not sure how to rhyme that with this idea of the subconscious healing itself. So I wonder if you have any thoughts on that. Yes, I do. Because if you by instance have a deep cut, you know, it's a sharp, deep cut, and you clean it up, maybe you sew a few stitches, but there's a little bit of debris left down deep inside. It can start to, to you know, get uh, infected and you have pus forming and whatnot. Now and again, you actually have to reopen the wound to get the pus out. And I think trauma in is very much... Um, can be akin to that analogy. So yes, now and again, the system needs, you know, it's like, it's not, we are not, um, I mean, everybody needs help, right? We're not like, we're not solo bubbles. I'm not an entity in and of it myself that does not need anything else. Yes, I do. I need sunshine. I need water and I need food and I need movement and I need touch. And I, you know, it's like, I need all of these things. So 
having now and again to to reopen or redress a, a, a deep physical um or a deep psychological wound same same thing different story um so i i'm a strong believer in in the fact that we are constantly the the two systems constantly work to bring us back to this innate well-being but we're not i mean i'm i'm 50 of course there are blemishes there are wounds that have scarred and scabbed you know it's like i have scars both mentally and physically that does not mean I'm not back to well-being. It just means I'm back to well-being with a memory of, you know, a physical or an emotional memory of something that has happened that I can allow to hamper me um, or not. Yeah, I love that. I really like that idea. I've thought about this in terms of like the the voices inside of me and i guess you could frame this in an ifs kind of framework uh, but i didn't really know of ifs when i started conceptualizing voices inside of myself so and i think that there are these voices that are part of having been traumatized in the past and it feels like no matter how much i heal myself those voices will stay with me those parts will remain. The thing that changes is that they no longer hold power over my behavior. I can intentionally choose how to act in the world. But that doesn't necessarily mean that those voices will completely just dissipate or disappear. And that feels like a similar thought as these the scars that remain after you've healed that signify that you've been through that process, which doesn't mean indeed that you aren't back to well-being. Yeah, and and I think that the the important thing about um, about those voices that I've also written extensively about is the difference is who's in the driver's seat. You know, if it is me, if it is myself with a capital S in the driver's seat, those voices can guide me, they can inform me, they can act as little warning bells saying, hey, you're about to, you know, head off into the ditch, you know, get back on track again. Or they can try to learn me, lure me, because there can be trickster voices, right, that are, you know, determined to make me fall flat on my face now and again, just to see what happens then. You know, so so again, but but the difference is if I'm in the driver's seat or if they are, any one of them, or you know, if there's one who's taken up the driver's seat and won't budge, that I think is where um, issues arise. Um, and for me, I would I would say I I used to say that I had Hitler, Mao, and Stalin inside. That was the tone of my inner dialogue, um, and. I didn't understand until I was 30 plus something that that they weren't talking truth, capital T, truth. So it was, you know, I was I was grown. <laughs> I was a mom, 
uh, already when I first understood that, oh, you mean I don't have to believe what they say? So from this analogy that we're speaking about, it's as if they had plonked themselves in the driver's seat and I did not know that I could take the driver's seat. Yeah, makes sense. It's a beautiful thing to discover, right? Yeah. I'm also curious about the, the thing you said before, this everybody needs help. And I wonder if you have it. Well, I'm sure you have any thoughts. <laughs> you have some thoughts about interdependence, right? The, the way in which being around each other is important for humans, just like to regulate our nervous systems, to, to exchange the seeing and being seen. That seems to be an important part for me of, of what it means to have a good life, to, to be in well-being. And so I'm curious for your thoughts around interdependence and how you navigate that in your own life. I think that being dependent has got a bad rep, which means that people strive to be independent and then interdependency is kind of lost amongst those two but it is interdependency that is the thing i'm totally with you there it's like i need other people and i don't you know there's no there's no shame involved in saying that it's like oh aren't you a capable woman and can stand on your own two feet and you know it's like Yes, and I need other people. It's like, because we are not, we are a social creature. We are not hermits. We're not built to be hermits. We are, um, you know, we are tribe people. That's what, you know, it's it's a tribe of people. Uh, in the sense that there's a hive of bees and there's a herd of cattle and cow, you know, it's like we come in tribes that that's how we have evolved. So we're not supposed to be independent or dependent in the way that we in modern day have that discourse. I think we are supposed to be interdependent. And within that, there can be dependencies and independencies, right? Where I can, you know, yeah, I make my own money. Um, I pay for my house. I, you know, I'm a sole breadwinner here, but now it's just me and the cat. So it's not that big of a, of a deal. But that still doesn't mean that if I'm sick, I don't, you know, please somebody come and make me a cup of tea and, and put a warm blanket around me. It's like, yes, please. You know? So, so I think there's a lot of striving for independence, which also means kind of another way of looking at that is the discourse around being, um individual the individualism we're supposed to be these fantastic individuals you know self uh, developing and whatnot and this that and the other thing which is excellent if we constantly keep in mind that 
a Helena that is of 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 well-being is the best thing for the collective. That is how I am of service. That is how I and and I can be that best uh Helena or the the Helena of the best well-being. If I am paralyzed from the neck down, if the only thing I can do is blink, you know, I can still be of service to a collective. So I think that's what's gotten lost in in um, in a lot of modern discourse. And I think that interdependence and this individual collective thing, they they are. They're linked. It's different ways of, of looking at the same thing. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. The, the the thing I struggle with is I believe that independence has become so important because we've lost the tribe. When you look at contemporary society, or when I look at contemporary society, I don't see a tribe. I see this huge amorphous mass of, like you said before, lots of norms and and laws and and ways of being and interacting with each other that aren't supportive or nourishing in any way. And then because of that, obviously, yes, the individual becomes more important. I feel like that was my path. I became fully self-sufficient because I had no other choice. I didn't feel that there was a beautiful, nourishing network of people that were there for me. And so I'm curious if you have succeeded in your own life to create that kind of tribe-like system almost of people around you that you can support and that support you when you need it. Am I 100% there? No. Am I much closer today than I was just 10 years ago? Yes. Um, and my real journey on this probably started around 10 years ago. So I would say that I have co-created tribal nodules, not necessarily a tribe, because the people that I see as belonging to my tribe don't necessarily know that they're part of, you know, each other's tribes that way. But there's like nodules of, of, of people. And I have, I was, I was reading a book that was called Deeper Dating a couple of years ago by Kent Page, which is less cheesy than it sounds, actually quite a lovely book. And he had one, one exercise where he he suggested that you you talk to six of your six friends and ask them, would you please write to me what it is that you see in me? Write, write a letter to me telling me what you appreciate about me, what you see in me, all the good stuff that you see. And he said, and if you don't have six, do it with three. And if you don't have three, do it with one. And if you don't have one, write a letter to yourself. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's a lovely idea. And I started to write down, who do I feel that I could ask that of? And when I hit 29, I stopped writing it down because that's, and that's my actual honest experience. It's like, I have people around me 
that I could ask such a thing without them just looking at her going, she's just crazy. Maybe they will, but they will say that's part of what we love about her. Um, so I am so rich in that sense. And I do, I do experience it in that way that I can lean on, on these people, I can come to them if or when I am in need. And they do the same. Um, maybe I won't be first choice for some of them. That doesn't matter. I think that they they know that I'm here. Hmm. Um, is this also... And we, we are here. We help each other. You know, it's like there is that aspect yeah also physically also like physically. yes okay because that's the thing i struggle yeah. with the most i think because i'm i'm on a very similar journey you know creating that tribe and i have wonderful beautiful people around me but all of those people are not well i was going to say are not where i am if i could even understand where i am because i'm, I'm in quite different places all the time uh, but so most of my close relationships are with people that are also let's say relatively nomadic and of course thanks to technology we can continue creating incredibly beautiful and deep relationships no matter where we are but then as you said earlier when you are sick nobody can bring you soup and i think that's that's an element of that kind of tribal co-creation that i would like to bring back to my life mm. And I don't really know how to get there yet. And I have both and, because just like you, many of these 29 are spread out across the world. Uh, many of them I've never met physically. I still consider them very dear and close friends and, and important in my life. And I also have people around me here. So last year when I turned 50, I was I I decided that I was gonna have uh, a couple of different types of celebrations. One of them was I was gonna have a garden party for for family. But to get ready for the garden party, I needed to have a gardening party. So I reached out to a handful of people that I knew kind of like gardening. You know, I don't I didn't pick my friends who are like soil, uh, no thank you, but rather the ones who, 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 you know, either they have their own garden, but they're fine with, you know, gardening is fun and doing it together is even more fun. Or they now live in an apartment and, you know, they don't have access to a garden, come here. So we were eight people, I think, a full day. And man... The amount of stuff you can get done in a day with that many hands that I, you know, I wouldn't have gotten that done in a, in the entire season. And it was so much fun. And I borrowed the the a wheelbarrow from the neighbor and he came with it and 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 he said, Are you gonna have a gardening party? Yeah, I'm gonna have a gardening, but 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 what do you mean? He's like, Well, you know, I've invited friends and, and they're gonna come help me work in the garden. He's like, But did you just ask? And I said, Yes, I just asked. 
So yes. Oh, that almost makes me teary-eyed, or it makes me teary-eyed. Um, we have lost that ability to just ask. You know, we think that, oh, no, you can't do that, because that's not the norm. That's not how you're supposed to do it. It's like, fuck that shit. Um, you know, yes, I just asked. Yeah, it's the secret to life, asking for what you need. But of course, you need to figure out yeah. what you need first. <laughs> you need to know what you need first, precisely what I was thinking about. For the, And in that particular moment in time, I really knew what I needed. And I made this long list of things. And, you know, I got soil. Some, some of them went to buy 40 bags of soil and carried them into the garden. And others were you know, snipping away and digging beds. And it was just fantastic. Amazing. Fantastic. Hmm. Helena, I'm, I would love to hear about your edge also, because your mm. book is called Doing Gentle with an Edge. Mm. And I'm really curious about that. I think the, the doing gentle part is quite clear, but I'd love to know more about the edge. What, what is that edge? What does it look like? So the edge for me is Tankespian. That is how I introduce edge into my life. And I actively seek that edge. Just to remind people takes, who are listening, that's the, the mind gym idea, right? Tankespian? That's the mind yes. gym. It's like, you know, when somebody says something or does something or you read something or you look at something for that matter, you go, wait, wait, what, how? No. And, and you know, so it is a type of getting a new perspective or trying on new shoes so to speak or someone else's shoes you know so it is that opening up of myself so that I'm I'm willing to take on another another viewpoint another way of doing things you know if I always turn right at the corner what if I turn left what happens then and the edge for me takes on many forms. One of, one of them is that I, I read a lot and I read a variety of books and I love reading. I have probably 10 books going at the same time because then they cross pollinate. What, what awakens in me when reading one book marries with something that happens in another book and a third thing explodes in my brain. So that's one way that I introduce Tankespian or The Edge into my life. Another is by actively having curated my tribe, so to speak, to be people who are challenging, uh, curious people, interesting people, people who are not yay sayers, but rather who will call me on my shit when I need to be called, who who challenge me, who, who introduce new things, thoughts. You know, I say something and they go, I'm not so sure about that instead of, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so so people who keep um, me intellectually supple in a way, 
I go to therapy. I just had my hundredth ter- therapy session on Monday. Uh, and it's process-oriented therapy. And man, is there edge in there. Um, and I, you know, it's hard work. And I love it. So it is, yeah, I I like that. I like that. And, and I have kind of become addicted to Tankespian in the sense that, you know, I need my daily fix. You know, give me something that challenges me every day. Otherwise, it doesn't really feel like a good day. Um, I am a person who likes to do, just like I like to read many different books, I like to do many different things. So I run my own consultancy firm um, and have done so for 15 years, working quite a lot in the pharmaceutical industry and food pharmacy or food industry with with quality issues and such but i am also a life coach i also blog i also pod you know i'm engaged in a communal gardening project here in the neighborhood you know it's like there's i sing in a choir i take guitar lessons you know it's like um all of those things, the same thing happens as with the books. It cross-pollinates. So there's that um, things can bounce off each other. And I'm I'm better at my job writing standard operating procedures for a pharmaceutical industry uh, or for, for a pharmaceutical company because I'm a life coach. Because I read so much. Because I do leadership training because I you know do meandering conversations I'm not afraid of silence okay how does that help me when I'm in a training situation you know so I and I like that I thrive on that so I guess the the kind of the thing for me is this find what your edge is because just because my edge is quite you know there's a lot of edge in my life and many different hues of it that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what everybody else should do but but there's some type of edge that i think is is right for each person and that can vary as well when i when i went through um, my my second divorce um, five, six years ago, I did not read or listen to podcasts. And I couldn't even listen to music with, with lyrics. It was just piano music, just piano music and nothing else for like six months. Because I couldn't take in anything else then. It, I had, you know, I had enough edge. <laughs> so I didn't need more added edge from the outside. So it varies, which is a way of doing gentle. So they they are married quite well, or they they're great dance partners. That's how I see it. Is like they dance together well. You know, now and again, it's it's gentle that that takes the lead, and now and again, edge takes the lead, and, and now and again, they can ping pong. <laughs> you know. Um, so 
that's, I think, um, at least I've tried to say what my edge is. Does mm. it make sense? Yeah, a lot of it makes sense. I, I really love this idea of cross-pollination, especially, and how that perhaps brings edge to different activities because of the connections you make with other stuff. I really like that. Helena, we, we near the end of this podcast, but I'm also really curious to hear in your relationship with yourself, what is the most difficult thing still? So I am, I've gotten quite good at seeing myself at, at being in this relationship with myself um, through my writing, through a lot of reflection that's going on, like this internal dialogue, which is no longer Hitler, Mao and Stalin, mind you, through the therapy, etc. There's a lot of there's a lot of relating to self that I don't find hard any anymore. The challenge for me still um, that I'm actively working on in a way that I haven't been before is actually to, to voice it when it matters. So relating to self with another person there, not just going along with what that other person wants or needs but actually to say what I need. That is the challenge for me. Um, and there's, you know, there's been so many therapy sessions where it's just so obvious. I get this tight, tight, tight. It's like I'm strangling myself. You know, it's like, keep it down, keep it down. And that's one part of me that just, that takes the driver's seat for that little moment, right? And I'm working at finding out what is it that that part of me is so scared of? And how can I support that part of me to let go, to, to release that cramped grip around my neck so that my voice can actually be heard when I'm afraid of what the other person might think of what I'm saying? Because I don't have a problem making my voice heard. You know, I was like, I am, I'm a very voice prone person. I like words. I love words. I have a love relationship with words. I'm very, very into them. I, you know, I read plenty. I write plenty. I speak plenty. But to that last little, that innermost need of me, to let that also have its voice. Beautiful. Very inspiring. Thank you, Helena. To round off, I would like to end with also a traditional question. Is there any question that you would have loved to answer that I haven't asked you yet? No. And we could probably do this for another 20 hours <laughs> <laughs> i'm quite sure we could indeed uh, yeah yeah uh, but no 
I well, so I well maybe I don't know what the question would be, but this would be my answer. To know that we are malleable, to know that we have these immune system working, but we're also very, very malleable or pliable or or you know, we are able to transform in the most fantastic ways. And for me, when I've undergone these types of transformations, which I guess is basically when one of those norms layers just is finally off, um, just observing myself has been a very, very important first step in any of these changes that I've I've undergone deliberately that I've undergone so coming into relation with yourself relating to myself in that way I think is um for me has been a key a, a, a major key in in becoming the me that I've always been but didn't really know because I didn't let those bubbles of me come through. So however that looks for 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 you know whoever anyone listening is like observe yourself and be gentle with your observations. Don't judge yourself for when you realize that oh now I did that thing again. Like yes. Good, you saw it. You know, clap yourself or you know, pat yourself on the shoulder. You noticed that's excellent. Because that builds awareness. And that's yeah, that's that's a big part in in me today, being able to say that I'm I'm very happy that I'm me today. I re I really enjoy being me. Um and I haven't always felt that. Definitely not, but I do today. Wonderful. Let's end on those beautiful words. Helena, where can people find you, your blog post, your podcast, your book? I will put all the links in the description, of course, but maybe you can also say them. Yeah, I'm quite, if you if you manage to, to Google Tankespian, you will find me because I'm. How do you it, spell that? More or less. T A. Oh, now I have to. T A N K E S P J A R N. No, T A N. Yeah, T A N K E S P J A R N. Tankespian. Tankespian. Great. Um, well, I will. I will do the googling yeah. for the audience, and then. I will post all the relevant links in the description. Helena, thank you so Excellent. much. And have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you for this. This, is, this has been lovely. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, 
rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks. Thanks.